0: Cybersecurity threat has never been higher, with headline-making attacks hitting government organizations and key pieces of critical infrastructure alike. With no indication that this risk is slowing down anytime soon, the U.S. Department of Defense, or DOD, is rolling out the Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification, or CMMC, to help standardize cybersecurity processes for defense contractors and other vendors working with the DOD. So what do you need to know about the CMMC and how is it going to affect your business? Hi, how are you? I'm Gary Cohen. Welcome back to the Industrial Cybersecurity Pulse Podcast, or as it's sometimes known, the ICS Pulse Podcast. Joining me as always, Tyler Wall. We're back again. This should be a fun one today. We are going to be talking... Uh, to Ryan Heidorn. He's the co-founder and managing partner at SteelRoot, Root. Um, and he's going to kind of run us through the CMMC. The CMMC, uh, it's an initiative, like I said, of the Department of Defense to address cybersecurity concerns for basically non-government organizations participating in the DOD supply chain with all the supply chain attacks that are out there. This is one of the initiatives to help shore that up a little bit. Uh, should be an interesting conversation.
1: Agreed. But first, of course, I got to get my <laughs> my uh, question in here and so my question for today is what is your favorite holiday
0: I have not prepped this at all this is I've got recency bias going on right now we are recording this in the uh mid to late December and we are rolling right up on the uh Christmas Hanukkah holidays both of which my family celebrates um so we we have all our you know Christmas decorations up and Hanukkah is starting in like two days and so it is going to be I mean look I enjoy it. I grew up with Christmas, uh, always enjoyed it a ton. My kids have the best of both worlds because they get like seven days of Hanukkah and then it rolls right into the Christmas holidays. So it is gifts every day for like a week and a half.
1: Oh, that sounds like a child's dream right there. Wow. Yeah, I like Christmas season as well just because I like Christmas music, generally speaking. I'm also a fan of Hallmark movies, so I've been... Watching those every night recently. Um, I recommend Falling for Christmas. That's the new one with uh, Lindsay Lohan. It's a fantastic movie. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it in the next podcast. So I did
0: not back. know the Lohan was back in action. I, oh, I haven't well, heard her name in a while.
1: I had hardly considered Hallmark back in the action. So
0: <laughs> Look, the Hallmark Channel has been keeping... Former soap opera actors and dancing with the stars celebrities in business for like 20 years now.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, it has. I mean, they're interesting. It is just the same story again and again, though. So I mean I'll tell you, I think
0: I've I've mentioned on the pod before at the very beginning of my career. I used to be an actor. I did that professionally for a bunch of years, uh, with tremendous levels of success, obviously. But, you know, when you start out in acting, there's always this thing of like, I only want to do this kind of work and this kind of work. And you look down on the hallmarks and the soap operas. But man, after a few years of acting, you're like, work is work is work. If somebody wants to pay me money to act, I will happily be on a soap opera or a hallmark movie. I'm sure there are people who have more standards than I do, but that was my opinion.
1: Well, I feel like when you're starting out, you can't have any standards yet. You haven't gotten there yet, so. That's right. Commercial for Pepto-Bismol? Absolutely.
0: Yes, I can look like I have upset stomach. Exactly, exactly. I don't know, though. I I don't want to, I mean, we both went with the sort of Christmas, Hanukkah, like the end of December holiday season. Are we giving short shrift to Arbor Day? Thoughts? Uh,
1: Yeah, you know what? Maybe we are. I don't even know what Arbor Day is. That's how old I am. It's a
0: celebration of trees.
1: Oh, excellent! Maybe we should be reinstating Arbor Day. Do you use a real Christmas tree? Are you like a real, like a real tree? Are you a real tree man?
0: I. We have a real tree. Yeah, we have a real tree. Right. I. Uh, growing up, we had a fake tree uh, for most of the years until my brother and I browbeat our parents into getting us a real tree, and then we always had a real tree. And mine started with like. I don't know if I'm even going to get a tree. So I would get these little like three and a half, four foot trees and it's grown over the years. And now, yeah, we've got like a full size whole thing going on.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, no, I've been fake tree my whole life. I got a sad one over there kind of leaning in a direction that's not just vertical, but
0: I would, I would say if I were to rate the podcast so far, I'd say today's nonsense has been more nonsensical than our usual nonsense. I, I'd agree. I'd say so. (laughs) So let's let's actually talk industrial cybersecurity. Uh, a lot of things going on here as we wrap up the grand year of 2022. Uh, Tyler, you this week attended virtually a conference, which actually seemed to have quite a bit of of useful information. So I don't know if we want to open up and talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, sure. Aside from Christmas time. Uh, yeah, earlier this, or recently, I should say, uh, Omdia actually held a... Another day conference, and I say another because they were a major part of Black Hat back in August. So uh, it was a lot of similar material, but there was uh, a couple key differences with it. But, I mean, they spent a lot of time talking about uh, malware. They talked about digital dependence again and how that's driven by demand, um, challenges for InfoSec and cybersecurity, it was it was pretty valuable, I'd say. And one of the more interesting parts of it is um the statistics they were pulling. Because Omdia is an analyst company, meaning that they collect a bunch of data, put it together, make it all beautiful, and I assume usually they sell it to people. But in this case, it was free. So um, but yeah, some of the cooler or cooler, uh, some of the better statistics that they were talking about there that at least I thought were interesting was how. In the past year, uh, two thirds of the breaches that happened um, that resulted in data exposure were actually in the healthcare space, uh, which you can interpret as healthcare um, needs to be a little more bolstered in terms of cybersecurity, at least that should be at the forefront of their minds a little bit more, I would say,
0: and and I, I, Let me jump in there for a second. I think that's something that's really interesting. If you go to our site, industrialcybersecuritypulse.com, um, we've we've had quite a few stories about healthcare hacks and in, in regular stories in our throwback attack series that have happened over the years. And as we've talked about before, I mean, when you think about the the, the stats don't shock me, they sort of track with what we talk about all the time, which is you know, if you're a threat actor, you're a hacker, you're looking for pain points and where are you going to find pain points more than a healthcare system? I mean, whether that is uh, stealing patient records, which obviously is is a big deal in its own right, or whether that's Shutting down critical life-saving systems, or cutting the power to a to a hospital, or right. and those things were happening. Things like that were happening during the height of COVID, when hospitals were were packed and couldn't afford to have any downtime.
1: Yeah, and another major thing that they kind of talked about too was how there's like four key principles that kind of push or give pressure uh, for multiple directions to stay secure and maintain resiliency. And those are cyber attacks, which is kind of self-explanatory. That'll make you want to stay resilient. Uh, And then you got innovation, meaning as we continue to innovate and progress forward, barring Moore's law does not catch up with us, um, we should maintain pace in terms of cybersecurity in that department to match it. Uh, Resiliency itself. Which again is it's in the name. You're kind of. I don't like it when people define things with the thing and the definition, but that's kind of what happened there. That's fine. And then intervention, meaning making sure that you're uh, maintaining maintaining that digital cleanliness uh, when going through your systems and auditing and just exercising best practices.
0: Very very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think all of that. some of that stuff, I don't want to say it's it's obvious, but it's the stuff we should all be doing. I mean, obviously, yeah. cyber attacks on the rise, best practices. I mean, these are things that every organization should be doing, whether you're a mom and pop manufacturer that's got 10 employees. And, and we'll discuss this later in relation to the Department of Defense and the CMMC, because that actually is uh, a, a big part of why the CMMC is out there. And, uh, or if you're whatever, Siemens or Raytheon or a huge multinational company.
1: Yeah. And another interesting thing that they kind of brought up, and they briefly only briefly touched on this, but was that the World Economic Forum uh, put cybersecurity failure as the number seven on its list of clear and present dangers to society. And so, kind of, I guess, some of the other things on that list where there were things like world hunger i mean was on there which is a big deal i'm not trying to underplay world hunger uh but mental health was on there too but it is kind of wild that cybersecurity is like number seven on the clear and present dangers a fantastic movie by the way but um well it's not at the same time
0: you also don't think of the World Economic Forum, as somebody who's even dealing with something like cybersecurity, there, you know, it's the millionaires and billionaires in Davos talking about running the world. And so you right. don't assume that this is something that they're worried about. But that's how important this has become because it can create chaos. It can shake the foundations of businesses, it can shake the foundations of governments. And some of those things are becoming clearer and clearer. So the fact that uh, the World Economic Forum is even talking about cybersecurity during its its swanky event in Davos is, is, is somewhat surprising, but I think it should underscore the importance of cybersecurity moving forward.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. And then kind of getting into um, our uh, guest today, Ryan, He talks a lot about CMMC. I can't remember if we already said what it is, but CMMC stands for Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification. And one of the very interesting things about CMMC is that it is pass or fail, meaning if you fail it, you're done. There is no no letter system. There are no percentages right or wrong. It is a pass or fail.
0: You do get another shot at it, but it is, uh, but yeah, you. it is fast fail. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of the things I wanted to mention, this is uh, one of the things that came out of this Informa conference, is Tyler mentioned to me they talked a little bit about what they called the vulnerability problem. And this is the growth in published CVEs over the last five years uh has been exponential i think i think the number if i'm correct here is already more than 22,000 new cves assigned for 2022 mind you not a lot of 2022 left as we're recording this but that's a lot of new cves and so the vulnerabilities are out there the threat is out there i do think there is with with this idea of growing vulnerabilities i think it is a combination of Yes, there are more vulnerabilities out there, but I also think more people are looking for vulnerabilities right now. And that's mm-hmm. part of, you know, if you adopt a cybersecurity standard. Um, there was a, a, a talk that Tyler and I both went to not too long ago where um, somebody said, you know, you start looking for the vulnerabilities. He was talking about the phases of sort of cybersecurity maturity. And I think he called it like the oh wow phase, once you start looking for vulnerabilities. I think what he would have said if he wasn't at a conference is it's the oh shit phase, which is, oh my God, theres I I didn't know we had this many vulnerabilities. And part of that is what we're going to talk about today, which is the supply chain. So if you are buying a product from a big prime, a big contractor, a big company, it doesn't mean that all the parts of that piece of software or hardware that you bought, for example, we'll say it's it's Siemens, all all the parts of that product that they're selling you came from Siemens. They use third-party vendors. They use subcontractors. And so through the supply chain, uh, if one of those companies is now part of your, let's say, software package, uh, has faulty cybersecurity or poor cybersecurity hygiene that can allow a threat actor in, and that's how you see problems like uh, mm. Solar Winds, where you've got a small company got attacked, they got access to huge companies, governments, things like that, and caused a lot of problems. And so, the CMMC is, you know, the part par- par- Try that again. The Department of Defense is what they call it. Uh, you could imagine the the importance of the kind of things that they're doing and producing, and so you know you're producing a new fighter jet. Well, somebody is selling you the screw that that goes into that fighter jet, and if it's Tyler's little screw company, which is not really where I wanted to go with that, but we'll just call it that. <laughs> um, it's not a little dirtier than I meant it. <laughs> to. We're going to stick with it. Um, you know if it doesn't have good cyber hygiene then yeah i mean you you might be in trouble so the idea of the cmmc and ryan will go into this much more eloquently eloquently than i'm doing now is to improve the protection of of the dod everything from products to really sensitive government information and to improve the reliability of the supply chain feeding into the department of defense
1: yeah, especially in driving down kind of that ransomware attacks, just those different indiscriminate forms of cybercrime and all of that good jazz.
0: <laughs> it's, it's Tyler is a musician, so he always comes back to all that jazz. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's, go, let's go ahead and bring in Ryan again. He's going to talk about this much more uh, deeply and eloquently than we do, but he'll give you kind of a primer on the CMMC, what you need to know about it when it's being rolled out. So Ryan Heidorn, he is the co-founder and managing partner at SteelRoot, uh, like a lot of our guests, good friend of ICS Pulse, where he leads the company's compliance practice. He's a frequent presenter and media contributor on issues related to cybersecurity compliance within the U.S. defense industrial base, including the CMMC, DFARS, and export controls. He also serves as a board director for the National Defense Industrial Association New England chapter. Welcome, Ryan. Thanks so much for coming down on the uh, podcast here with us. Thanks for
2: having me, Gary. Great to be here.
0: So today we're gonna talk a little bit about the cybersecurity maturity model certification, which is very difficult for me to say, also known as CMMC, which is much easier for me to say. That was announced last year and it's becoming increasingly relevant for contractors within the Department of Defense. So Ryan, why did the CMMC become necessary and how does it change the game now for DOD vendors?
2: Those are two good and perhaps very different questions. So CMMC is, is really necessary because the United States and the U.S. industry are really losing intellectual property to adversaries and competitors at really an insane rate. So from the Department of Defense's perspective, our adversaries, Russia, China, et cetera, are literally walking out the door with billions of dollars of in IP and sensitive info. So these uh these hackers if you will for lack of a better term they've been able to go after these easy targets in the supply chain so they're maybe not necessarily just going after large primes like Raytheon and Lockheed they're going after small machine shops and part suppliers these are companies that you know generally speaking probably don't have a really sophisticated cybersecurity practice and yet if you're doing work as a DO- on a DoD, DOD contract You could be handling really sensitive drawings or contract info or other sensitive info that maybe isn't classified, but the government still needs to protect it. So that's why if you look at things like China's J-31 stealth fighter, it looks an awful lot like our F-35, and that's because they literally stole the designs. So we have way too many examples of this, even public examples. Um, When I talk on this subject, one of my favorite quotes comes from Ron Ross at NIST, That's the organization that writes these security requirements that contractors uh, have to implement on their own networks if they're following something like DFAR 7012, et cetera. So he puts it really bluntly. He says, we're literally hemorrhaging critical information. So to answer your question, CMMC is necessary because it's aimed at stopping that that bleeding, so to speak. Um, But in terms of how it changes the game for DoD vendors, What's interesting is that even though CMMC is a really hot issue right now, a lot of these requirements are actually not new. So pretty much any company out there that's on a DOD supply chain in in some way or fashion probably has language in their contracts today that's requiring them to implement these security requirements or a lot of them to protect the sensitive data, which is controlled unclassified information or CUI when it's on their networks. So there's a lot of these requirements out there. They've existed for a number of years. What's a game changer and why contractors need to pay attention is that essentially CMMC is a kind of enforcement mechanism. Whereas in the past, you may have had these requirements and have a way to say, yeah, 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 we're compliant because we understand the requirements are there and we've got a plan to do something about them. Um, that worked in the past. But the problem was that you know people kept kicking the can down the road uh, indefinitely and operating business as usual. So CMMC is basically saying, Nope, you need to implement all of these requirements. You're going to get assessed and certified, and you're going to have to be certified before you can be awarded a contract if you're doing business with the DOD.
0: So Ryan, for people who aren't as familiar with the CMMC, can you give us a, a quick explainer on what it is and what that process of implementation and assessment looks like?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So CMMC is a set of cybersecurity practices. Again, they're aimed at protecting the government's sensitive information when it's on the networks of private companies. The CMMC model is arranged into five different levels, and those levels range from basic cybersecurity hygiene all the way up to the ability to defend against nation-state attacks. Now, the vast, vast majority of companies that are on some DoD supply chain are going to need either level one or level three in CMMC. If you as an organization interact with controlled unclassified information or CUI, you're going to need level three. And at level three, there are 130 security practices and then three process maturity requirements that essentially tell you not only do you have to implement the good security practices, you have to be able to demonstrate that you are managing it effectively within your organization. Level one is a much lower bar and most organizations should be able to hit that without too much difficulty. But CMMC is building upon these industry requirements for cybersecurity under DFARS that have been enforced for several years. In terms of the the process, the DoD has authorized a a CMMC accreditation body, and they have been tasked with uh, the training and accreditation of all of the third-party assessor organizations. These are the organizations that will be authorized to go out and perform the assessments on companies that are seeking certification.
0: This obviously isn't an immediate rollout. There is some time here. So how quickly do vendors need to get on board? And then what happens if they don't?
2: So there's a little bit of misinformation out there in the market. So I guess I'll start by saying, to be clear, um, as of the time of this recording, no one is CMMC certified yet. So right now, we're waiting for uh, the accreditation process to really roll out. We're waiting for these third-party assessors in the private market to basically be trained and accredited themselves so that they can do the assessments. The DOD has been really clear, this is a phased rollout with this goal of all DOD contracts including CMMC certification requirements by 2025. So there are a handful of programs and contract vehicles this year that the DOD has signaled will include CMMC requirements. And they're really viewing these this first phase of the rollout as kind of a pathfinder phase. So, it, from where I sit as a service provider, most are really planning towards an assessment next year or maybe even beyond that. But I will say a lot of them are seeing it as a competitive advantage too, especially in the short term. If you can get assessed before your competitors, that that might be a you know something that that tips the scales for you as a company competitively. But um, also already we're seeing a lot of the large prime contractors asking all their suppliers, hey, when are you gonna be ready for CMMC? Are you tracking this? What level of CMMC are you planning to be certified at? And they're trying to get some idea of their supply chains and whether or not they're ready. But really roughly over the next five years, the idea is that every company that does business with the DOD, whether that's as a prime contractor, subcontractor, supplier, you're gonna be affected. You're gonna need to be assessed and certified at a particular CMMC maturity level in order to win business.
0: So the larger vendors, the typical Department of Defense vendors, the Lockheed Martins and things like that, I'm sure already have a plan for getting on board at this point. What do smaller manufacturers and smaller companies need to know to make sure that they can do business, even if they're not doing business with the DOD now, know that they can do it down the road?
2: Yeah, it's an important question and one that there's not a super clear answer to. So I I mentioned before that uh, the DOD's perspective is, hey, you've had a lot of these requirements in your contracts for years. So you've been doing them, right? Like wink, wink, nod, nod. Um, For those organizations that maybe haven't taken those requirements so seriously, or maybe just didn't even realize they were in their contracts, um, they've got a a relatively long road ahead of them to come into full compliance with with these requirements. So the message there is, if you're a small business, um, education's key. You need to understand what the requirements are. You really need to understand what of the sensitive data you might be interacting with today and start making a plan towards rolling out the the security practices and capabilities.
0: And there's probably a little overlap in your last answer there, but we cater to industrial manufacturers. That's a lot of our audience. So what do they need to know right now about the CMMC and what actions would you recommend they start taking now?
2: Yeah, so especially uh, critical for industrial manufacturers, they've got some added complexity when it comes to CMMC. And that's really because CMMC and the requirements that it's based on were kind of contemplated thinking about traditional IT networks, so computers, servers, that kind of thing. And they don't always carry over perfectly to OT or organization technology. So, you know, if you've got industrial controls and CNC machines and building automation systems, a literal reading of the requirements does not play so nicely with some of those systems. So there are some limitations with many types of OT in terms of implementing these CMMC practices. Now, the DoD knows this, but we don't have a lot of guidance yet on how it's going to be assessed. So understanding controlled unclassified information and being able to control it within your company so it doesn't just get blasted out to every single system is really critical at at this juncture. And definitely, there's a little bit of wait and see as it pertains to, to organization technology.
0: So if uh, you're on the OT side and and it's impossible right now to get compliant, that's something that the DoD is still working on. Those standards will change. There will be more information coming. So don't worry too much at this point, is your advice?
2: Well, um, yes and no. So the DoD's official answer is yes, we know there's a, a problem here. And yet, here are the requirements, right? So for many of our customers that are bumping into this, we're really advising them to take a strategic approach to shrink their scope. And, and what that means is essentially, you know, you're getting a drawing or you're getting specs, or you're getting contract information from a prime or perhaps directly from the government. You really have to have operational practices around who needs to touch that information, what system does it touch, and as small as you can get that little bubble of where CUI needs to flow for, in order for you to do business, that's where you draw all the requirements. So maybe you can keep your CNC machines out of that scope.
0: Got it. Thanks so much for being with us today, Ryan. This is great information. It was a pleasure talking to you. Likewise. Thanks so much. There you have it. Ryan Dorn. another great interview. Uh, Ryan's with Steelroot talking about the CMMC. really interesting stuff. We we talk about choosing a standard uh, quite a bit here on the pod. Um, and I, I happened to host a webcast earlier today with Jay Williams, who's the CEO of Industrial Defender. And we were talking about choosing a standard. How important is it to choose a cybersecurity standard? How do you choose one? And I, I asked him a question about that during the webcast. And it, he gave a nice, long, detailed answer, at the end of which he said, hey, listen, don't spend weeks and months trying to choose a standard pick a standard and get going like it's these are the basics a lot of them have a lot of overlapping things make sure it works for your industry but you just have to pick something and get going and i think that's part of ryan's point with the cmmc is you know it's it's coming it's been a slow rollout so far but you gotta start taking this seriously now it's here Get on track, start taking the steps to do this because there will be a point if you are the little mom and pop shop that sells something to the DOD that you are no longer going to be able to do business with the DOD. And that is a pretty big contractor. Um, and then also, another thing I, he said that I thought was really interesting is it was right up at the top there. He was talking about why it's necessary. And I mean, it's necessary, as he said, because we are losing intellectual property to adversaries and competitors at an insane rate. Insane rate was his quote Uh, from the department of defense perspective. uh, That's, that's scary. That is very scary.
1: Yeah, that is uh, that is terrifying. Um, And kind of what he was saying too, about picking a standard, or both of my guests kind of talk about that, but um, that's kind of being echoed throughout the industry because like you kind of alluded to, I mean, we've had, we've been to many talks in our time and they all kind of reference the idea of picking something and just hitting the gas because the more time you spend lackadaisically, that's a big word for you. Just kind of flopping around, trying to go bouncing here and there, all of that, just, you just need to pick one and kind of go. And another thing kind of looping back to the Omdia conference from A little bit earlier. Uh, They talk about innovations continuously being turbocharged, especially in this newer generation that's coming up and just more people wanting to innovate uh, and security needing to match that. And one of the reasons that it increases vulnerabilities is you got to imagine a lot of these new innovations are like version one, version 1.2. So security is not on the forefront of their mind. Never has security been on the forefront with innovation. So Catching up with that, trying to minimize the lag between security and innovation is going to be very important um, to, I guess, just establishing a cybersecurity presence within
0: the innovation space. Yeah, I mean, digital transformation is happening. It is happening. Your systems are connected. Whether you know they're connected or not, your systems are connected. Uh, It is speeding business at an incredible rate but every new piece of software that you add to your organization that helps streamline your business processes also adds some risk to it. So there's there's always that to consider as well.
1: Yeah. And you know, with digital transformation, that's going to be, there's no end to it, right? There's always going to be a new thing that is around the corner in the digital transformation space. So- it's, good. it's an ever-evolving process. I know some people think that there is a definite end, but there is not. It'll just continue to happen. And on that happy note, um, thanks again to Ryan for joining us on our podcast. Uh, and for more great content just like this, uh, you can visit us at industrialcybersecuritypulse.com. Um, if you have any comments, thoughts, or want to be on the podcast, you can reach out to us on Twitter at ICS underscore Pulse or if you prefer to communicate in the ways of the caveman, we can chat through email. And I am Twall at cfemedia.com. And Gary, And I am, wait, oh, I was gonna oh, take it
0: myself. And oh, I, I mean, am, please. there we go. t G Cohen, G-C-O-H-E-N at cfemedia.com.
1: Yep, and like we said, thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us this
0: podcast and uh, we'll see you after the new year. Thanks for being with us, guys. Uh, If it's still the holidays where you are, happy holidays.